Welcome back to the Talking Footy podcast. Each week across the footy season, we are talking with the biggest names in the game. I'm Jimmy Bartell, and this week's guest is my premiership teammate, and no doubt the most fearless footballer out there, Tom Lonigan. In this podcast, I discuss with Tom, pathway to the AFL, his courageous comeback from losing a kidney. The docs, two of them come in. It must have been a week or two after I got out of the coma and I was with it. And uh, they talked me through everything and they said, you're really, really close to, to not being here. And his transformation from key forward to premiership fullback. Now in his 13th season since debut, Tom sits with me as the Mighty Cats embark on another finals campaign. We're talking footy. Well, kiddo, mate, we're... We're sitting here, beautiful Kinnia Park. It's a bit different from when we both started, isn't it? It looks a bit different. It's certainly changed, mate, yeah. A um, couple of big stands have uh, popped up and a few more people can get to the game. So, no, it's, uh, it's a great place to come and play footy now and an even better place to come and work. We're a bit stiff not to get a Lonnick and Bartell stand named <laughs> after, don't we? Well, I think yours might be in the making somewhere, <laughs> mate. Mine's uh, maybe, um, maybe a fair way off for me, I think. All right, before we get into it, um, the nickname Doms, people get confused by it. They don't know what it's going on. I'm sure it's got a pretty simple story. It has a simple story, mate. Um, Brenton Sanderson, Tom Harley, I think, were the main um, culprits in this one. Um, back in, I think it was my first week or two at the club, um, we had a big um, uh, big session, a uh, leg weight session, and the previous day to that, our fitness S&C guy had given us um, the rundown on what DOMS is. Anyway, I've had this the big leg weight session and the next day I've rolled into training, could not walk. I was literally, <laughs> I was literally um, just disabled. I could not walk or anything. So um, Sando and, and Hale's come up with the name DOMS. That's how it started, DOMSy. Delayed, so, delayed, onset. So, onset. delayed onset of muscle soreness. So. First player ever to miss. Yeah, so I, uh, I missed about three or four training runs because of Dom's and, uh, and yeah, definitely stuck after that. No, you, you've made it your own. We just, uh, your first first thoughts, arriving down Geelong and you meet a pretty skinny and he's still a pretty skinny weed of a bloke but with a you know, pretty pretty self-assured guy, Andrew yeah. Mackey, and, and the friendship was born. You two have been inseparable since. Yeah, yeah, we have with uh, 15 years. So I remember... Wellesley picked me up at, at Kilmore um, at Assumption College and uh, and I said goodbye to mum and dad and then we went on to the airport and picked up um, this, yeah, as you said, skinny, um, not sure what sort of, he's got a funny sort of body, hasn't he? Yeah, Andy. and real Lego-like haircut that he yeah, still runs with. Yeah, actually had the, um, he had the stud through the year too. You'd oh, probably remember that. Yeah. I think he sort of rolled with that for a few days as he, when he got into Geelong <laughs> and just didn't work, so he, he got rid of that. But um, he had a real undersized T-shirt on at the time and um, it was just like, no, nah, we didn't pick up this kid, surely. <laughs> but uh, we did and, um, yeah, he's turned out to be a very good mate of mine and um, been lucky enough to, to spend a lot of time together, I suppose. And what's your early thoughts of not only Geelong but life as an AFL footballer, like what it took to be an AFL footballer? What were your first impressions when you walked through the door? Did you <clears throat> did you have shock? Was it everything you expected it to be? Um, I can just remember, and it's it's very probably similar, it was very, it was very daunting um, for a young kid to walk in like it is for most young kids to walk in and see the, the players that they've watched on TV the previous, you know, five, six years. And um, 
I just never thought I was a part of the a part of it really early days. I really felt that it, I would have my time one or two years and that would probably be it. Um, so you thought you'd just be in the system a couple of years and then back to Yarrawonga yeah, or I could never get, other I, things? I could never get my head around that I was an AFL footballer. Like I yeah. just could not get my head around that or I was on an AFL list. So I was playing with, um, you know, the likes of yourself and Gazza and Benny Graham and Stephen King, the guys I'd seen on TV. I just just something I couldn't, couldn't piece together in my head. Um, lucky enough, um, the, the club saw something in me and, and kept me on for another two years after my initial two-year contract. And um, and it was probably in that fourth year um, well, when I got injured that I started to to really sort of get the nuts and bolts of what it took to be an AFL footballer. And uh, you've lived with some of uh, unique, but obviously Geelong champions in your time. You were yeah. with uh, Max Rook and Corey Enright, yes. but then also... Yeah. Um, Charlie Gardner and yeah. Matt McCarthy and Henry Playfair. What are your your fondest memories, like off the field as a player? Good, just good times, good fun. Yeah, uh, Maxi and and Boris, a different kettle of fish altogether. Just, just a couple <laughs> of rare units. Those guys like, used to come home from training. Was, the three of us used to live in this little log cabin just in Newtown. Yeah, there, yeah, that was a fire hazard. It was. <laughs> it was a fire hazard. And um, sometimes, some days, I'd roll in the front door and. There'd be nothing on at all, no TV and no noise. It's like I saw the boys' cars there, so I knew they were home. And then I'd walk in the lounge room and they'd be on these recliners. They'd a recliner each and they'd have these masks on. <laughs> what sort of masks are they running with? Oh, uh, you know, like uh, like they had uh, one um, JFK mask, like <laughs> an old school. And one, they had one really scary looking sort of old, a real old person with a long nose that they always used to wear. <laughs> and it was just, they were just rare units and... Um, I can remember walking in and just seeing them with their masks on and thinking, geez, what have I got myself into here? <laughs> but um, those two were great. And obviously Henry, um, Charlie, Matty McCarthy and Brent Prismal were the other guys. They were, um, yeah, top top blokes as well. Now you, your early career, as we are saying, um, you come into Geelong as, as a key forward. Um, was it difficult being a young player and expected to play key position as a, as a young player? Yeah, it is. It's it's certainly, and I'm you know I'm now a defender, but I I certainly know how hard the position is. It uh, it demands a lot. It's um yeah, you know, uh, you got to make the play, I suppose. And um, for a skinny skinny kid who, who's never been overly strong, I found it a pretty you know at times pretty um, tough position to play. And um, it's uh, you know it, it took me a long time to. Sort of grasp the the idea of playing forward and um, so, yeah. So you watch um, obviously there's media and everything with footy. So do you watch other young key forwards starting out in the game? Just for example, like a Darcy Moore and even to an extent uh, Boyd from the Bulldogs. The yep. immediate pressure on them to perform as key forwards. Yeah, absolutely. Bit of sympathy for him, I guess. I do. Yeah, I, and then, you know when I first started, there wasn't as much attention on these guys, and and now you know. There is so much, mm. not only media attention, but social media as mm. well, and um, it's it's a whole different ball game these days. But it's uh, it, it's uh, I take take my head off to the to the best forwards in the game, the, the guys that can really have longevity and and play that position for a long time because it is a, a tough position to play, especially nowadays with all the zoning. Yeah, exactly. Two thousand eight, you actually kicked the first goal. In an AFL yeah. grand final. Yeah. That, that's a trivia question in itself. It do you is. actually roll with that? when You're first, a trivia buff like myself. Yeah, you do are, you actually, mate. Do you actually roll with 
who kicked the first goal in the 2008 Granny? First and last. That first day. and last. Oh, I didn't yeah. realise he kicked the last. So Max yeah. Rook kicked the first yeah, and last the next very year. similar possessions yeah. and, and goals and, and the first and last, yeah. yeah um, he had yeah. a bit more of an influence in the 09 Granny, though, than I did. Yeah, obviously 2008 didn't go the way we wanted to. What were no. your feelings like after that? Yeah, look, um, 08, as you said, it didn't go the way we, we wanted to. We had a super side and um, I think... Uh, you know, off the back of 07, <clears throat> I got the feeling like as a young kid, I was lucky, fortunate enough to, to pop into the side the last half of the year and I sort of felt as if things would just go to plan and would get it done. Um, it wasn't. Hawks were too good on the day. So the last little bit of play, what's been a memorable grand final, has lived up to its height. Taylor, buddy runs him down. Hawthorne, the champions. After that 08 season, that was the first time I'd really, really been really flat about footy. Quite, probably depressed, you know, in a sense. I think uh, the the sort of five six weeks, the scrutiny that followed, um, you know, losing that that the game that we probably should have won um, was really hard to cop as for a young for a young person, and also the team. I know felt pretty ordinary about that, and. Um, that was, uh, yeah, that was a pretty tough time in, in sort of my footy career, I think. Now, everyone knows you as a, as a great full-back of this footy club, but when did, when did the move come to, or the conversation or, or the moment where you thought, I, I think I should try and apply my trade in defence? Yeah. Was, it, was it yourself or was it uh, Brendan McCartney or Bomber Thompson coming to you and saying, we think we should make you a key defender? Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a mixture of those guys. Ken Inkley had, a, I think I spoke to him better. I think it was the next year, so 09, yeah. we come back. I started as a forward, played the first one or two games as a forward and then got dropped and realised that I wasn't enjoying footy. Like I just felt I felt so much pressure playing in that position and, um, you know, I needed a release. And uh, I, I went to our VFL coach at the time, which was Lee Tudor, and said, I, I want to play in defence. Um, can you just put me back there? And... Um, I played in defence for the, pretty much the rest of that year, 09, and um, was in and, in and out of the side as a defender and felt as if that was a position I felt I really could, um, could lock down if I got a good run at it. Well, we're seeing this year um, key defenders going forward, like Harry Ham-Taylor and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kale Hooker, and not many go back, but Liam yeah. Jones is another one. But yeah. what is the major difference or the thing that caught you straight away is the positional change. Is it where you start on your opponent is reading the ball in flight? Like I've heard Harry saying actually judging the ball in flight is a lot different from a key forward to a key back. What was the, the thing that you thought, geez, I've, this is pretty hard? Yeah, for me, I stripped it right back. I, I felt as if the, the back, yeah, especially during that time, sort of um, 09, 2010, 11, was a really tight-knit group. Of, of guys of different characters, but um, they knew what they wanted out of each other. And um, when I went back into that group, who consisted of Maddie Scarlett and, and Boris and um, Mac and Harry at the yeah, time, Darren Milburn, Dasha and, was there, yeah. and it just I felt as if I just didn't want to let them down. Um, and that was the simplest thing for me was like I know Maddie was sort of getting on a bit in age, and it was just a simple thing as if I I want to make Maddie's uh, Scarlo's job easier for the next few years. So I'll take the key position, the, the key forward yep. and beat him. And 
as soon as I started doing that a couple of times, um, I got a lot of confidence out of it and yeah. uh, sort of um, got a spring in my step in a sense mm. and, and just, yeah, the ball kept rolling. Yeah, do you feel then you were earning, you earned their trust and sort yeah. of respect as much as like you got welcomed into that group? You yeah. Had to, they wouldn't just let you into it, you had to earn it? Exactly, exactly. And I think one of the things that I've always craved as a player is, is just respected by other players and, um, and yeah, as a defender, I wanted to be a really reliable defender, mm. someone that, you know, you can put there or do his job. And, um, yeah, I got a lot of satisfaction out of just doing my job and, and making those guys, their, mm. their jobs easier and, and playing finals footy. Hi, sorry to interrupt. Emily Angwin here. I just wanted to remind you of some of our other episodes of the Talking Footy podcast. There's Wayne Carey. Go and have a couple of beers, maybe a few more than a couple, after the game. Recovery Saturday and by lunchtime Saturday afternoon would be all together as a team. And that's why I think part of why we we're such a good team, because we we're so close off it. You know, a few more beers with the, with the mates. And, and if we didn't have a Friday night game the week after, we'd generally back up again on Sunday. <laughs> so it was not a bad stint. Trent Cotchin. It's a game. I know that a lot of people's lives <laughs> and weeks depend on the result, but the reality is the sport I play is a game, whereas my life is what's most important. Bob Murphy. Rodney Ede, the tyrant, took you and Scott West aside in a secret meeting and said, start up a bit of trouble today. Now, I didn't know anything about that. First bounce of the practice match, I found a bit of a sore spot for you and then all of a sudden for me, the lights went out. Make sure you check them out and be sure to leave us a review. It's easy. Jump on iTunes, search Talking Footy Podcast and give us a rating. Also, feel free to let us know who you want to hear from next on Twitter using the hashtag TalkingFootyPod. Thanks for listening. I'll let you get back to it. I remember when you came back into the side and... Yeah, you're now a defender and thought, geez, he, he's actually really playing well here. And you and I are sitting up in, in this new stand and I'm looking across to the far wing. We're playing Melbourne. I can remember exactly where I am and right now I'm getting a little bit of goosebumps. Mm. Sorry, mate, I, mm. I feel like I'm getting more emotional about this. But I remember being front and square, you backing back. Matt Egan, again, another great defender we mm. had, with Brad Miller. You just bravely, eyes on the ball, Brad Miller, clatters into the back of you and almost to me I can remember the sound much yeah. like I can remember the sound when Stephen King accidentally kicked yeah, uh, yeah, White from Melbourne in the face yeah. it sounded like someone snapping a you know a tree branch across uh, the knee and I just remember you you almost tried to get up and play on and then went oh I think I'm not right yeah do you do you have mem- many memories of that moment yeah <laughs> um I do I do and I I Probably have to take it back a week or two before that. I'd um, I'd been actually back in the reserves mm. and I'd been playing as a defender. You were um, playing well that day. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I was playing really well as as a defender um, in the reserves in the VFL. I was taking lots of intercept marks. Mm. I felt I was getting in really good positions, and I felt I was um, getting back into that sort of hole, I suppose, or into that space and intercepting the ball. I was doing it lots. Uh, in, in the VFL and um, and this was that occasion that you spoke about um, was I still vividly remember it thinking okay I've done this before VFL 
I've, weeks earlier, yeah. I'd, I'd done it a, a lot of times. Hundred times at training. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm just gonna I'm gonna back back and I'm gonna intercept this ball. Um, as you said, I sort of that was my breakout game. I really yeah. felt that was my breakout game. I'd I, you know had taken a few marks. Yeah. I was beating my opponent. I felt as it I was starting to belong in this team. And um, unfortunately, AFL was a little bit quicker than VFL. <laughs> and um, yeah, the. the the boys behind me were coming um, out pretty hard, and and uh, yeah, the collision happened. And Basically, stagnant at half back. Oh! Lots of no free pay. Oh, it's a tough game, and there's there was some debris left in the wake. There's a Geelong player down. Lonigan, great courage, wonderful courage. Lonigan, just just no fear there. Coming from the ground, gee, it was a heavy knock. Yeah, it was obviously. A, Bloody tough time. It hurt a lot. Yeah. It's. Uh, I still remember the pain. It was sort of it wasn't an isolated. It wasn't isolation um, pain. It was pain all over my body. It was just sort of went into shock a little bit, and uh, I, I knew um, I knew I was in trouble. Um, just for people that you, Jeff Allen, our mm. great mate, and firstly, and our club doctor, walking yeah. side by side. Yeah. So immediately straight into an ambulance. Was it? You know. Sometimes they they sit you in the trainer's room to assess you. What was the? Yeah, I, well, the first bloke that got to me was actually one of our old trainers, David King, and um, well, that's pretty hard. He's slow yeah, as anything. Yeah, he, is. he was just he was just very close at the time. <laughs> he looks like Shrek and he moves pretty yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah, that's him. And um, and he was the first bloke that got to me, and he said, "Mate, I think you just." He's an English guy. He said, "Mate, I think you're just a little bit winded." And I said, "And I won't swear on on the podcast <laughs> here, but in no uncertain terms, I told him to go away because it wasn't uh, it wasn't wind and." Um, yeah, as you said, I sort of got into the rooms and so straight um, away you knew something was serious. I knew wrong. something was up because it was it was a pain that I hadn't experienced before, and um, and it was it, I could not isolate it. It was just I felt it all through my body, um, especially my torso, but it was going into my legs and arms and all sorts of things. And then I sort of got off and I just uh, just vomited everywhere and it was a sort of black black vomit, which um, Jeff would be able to. Explain better, but um, that's when he he uh, I think he'd already called the ambulance at that stage because he knew it was something up, something was really up, and I I was wild as a ghost. So um, so he, he cut the jumper off and gave me the green whistle, and um, I was lying there and I was saying, Joff, I just need some need some meds. I'm I'm just struggling here, mate. And he goes, We can't because we need to scan mm. scan you and, and find out what's happened. And um, we in the, into the hospital we go. And uh, it was probably about 6.30 that night that I had the scans and um, nothing really showed up on the scans um, initially. And then, so then I was able to have some pain relief, had the morphine and I felt fine. Mm. I felt, I was away with the fairies. Like I, yeah. I was sort of. They're pretty strong, those green yeah, whistles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, mm. they gave me some harder stuff in there. The mm. morphine kicked in and um, I felt as if I'd be fine. And they were just saying, look, it's, I think it's just, um, it might be a bit of bruising or we'll just keep you in for observation. Mm. So off the doctors go and they, um, Jeff Jeff assumed that, yeah, everything would be fine the next day and Chris Bradshaw was the same and um, mum and dad didn't come down for that day. My, my brother was playing in the in the seniors up at Yarrawonga, so they were watching it on TV and um, I rang them and said, oh, everything should be sweet. It's I think they're just going to keep me in for observation and, and that was the... Pretty much the last thing I remember until the next morning. Yeah, it was um, about 5 a.m. 
and uh, the buzzers were going off. I can remember the buzzers. Like, um, it was like bloody Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> it was just uh, things were going off here, there and everywhere. And um, in the doctors come, one come in, then the nurse come in, then someone else come in. Before I know it, they'll wheel me out of my room and uh, they're wheeling me off to somewhere. Before they did that, they said, you better ring your, call your mum and dad. And that's when, yeah, I gave them the call. And, and did it hit you like something's really serious No, not, then? it didn't. Yeah. It didn't really. They said, just call your mum and dad, say you're, you're heading in for surgery. And um, I don't know why it didn't, but I was, they were really calm at the time, yeah. um, the doctors and, and the nurses. And um, I just assumed that everything would be fine. But I let them, yeah, let mum, gave mum and dad the early phone call, which was about five o'clock. And um, they'd obviously spoken to them previous and told them you mm. better come down. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I said, I'm, I'm going in for a night. I'm not sure what's happening, but hopefully I'm all right. And yeah, that was the last sort of last thing. Yeah. And they had to remove your kidney because they mm. went in there and things were, you know, rough and pretty messed up in there. Yeah. 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 No, that, yeah. I think the kidney was the least of the worries. Um, it was, it was more, uh, the internal bleeding. So that's what sparked everything. Yep. So, they, so obviously I started bleeding internally um, from the from the moment I got hit. Um, it hadn't shown up on the scans the previous night and, um, yeah, and, the, and then I was sort of bleeding through the night and that's what the buzzers were going off. It was a sign of blood loss. The pulse had started racing and the, the blood pressure had dropped. So... The docs knew mm. then that I was losing blood and had to get me in to assess mm. the damage, and so they took me in. And uh, yeah, they had to keep replacing your blood. They they ran out of blood. They were calling everyone, all hospitals yeah. everywhere. That, can you just tell us how much blood you lost? Yeah, look, it was. I, I yeah, remember when the when the uh, urologist and um, oh, what's the other surgeon's name? The other guy come in and uh, and. They said they told me how much blood I had actually gone through, and um, I, I couldn't it. couldn't really fathom it. It was forty five units of blood, which is a bag of blood. So it was forty five of them. Yeah, so forty five bags. Yeah, so it was um, so it was my whole blood blood supply twice. Yeah, so it was uh, it was bloody lot of blood, and uh, you know, I think I think that was sort of at the point during the during the operation where it was sort of yeah. And you're in another in- one or two two uh, units of of blood and it was just kept kept on coming yeah. out, Jim. So I was, they kept on pouring it in, it kept mm. on coming out, and that's that's when they knew I was in trouble that whether they, whether I'd be able to stop it or not. So yeah, don't want to sound too dramatic with it, but they ever tell you were you close to death if it kept going? Yeah, they, yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. Um, yeah, the, the docs, two of them come in. As I said, it must have been a week or two after I'd got out of the coma and I was with it and uh, they talked me through everything and they said, you're really, really close to, to not being here. And, I mean, it's, it's I sort of, I, and this is the thing I, I tell people, I sort of rang mum and dad mm. um, when I was going in, but then all of a sudden, and then I woke up, what was it, um, a week later. So I'm probably not, you know, it's, it was probably harder on mum and dad than it yeah, was on, be, and, yeah. and you guys. And, yeah. You know, I, I just sort of, I was with it, then I was out to it, I was under... Well, it's a week of your life, you would happen. Yeah, and then mm. all of a sudden I wake up and they tell me you're close to death. Um, I, I didn't see any light or anything. Mm. No. I don't think when I was under, I had some... Had some dreams, didn't had you, some too? Oh, horrific, just, horrific hallucinations. Yeah. Um, that, uh, any, I'd say you said horrific, but any that just stand out in your mind, like anything yeah. funny or... 
Yeah, I remember uh, I've got quite a few that the, 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 at the time the, the nurses were actually trying to get to gets me to put something in my drips and it was sort of uh, at the time where I'd just come in and out. I was coming in and out of the coma and I actually thought they were trying to um, trying to, trying to uh, give me some, juice me up with some sort of other disease like AIDS or oh, really? something that was going to kill me and I, I re- refused. I just said, don't come near me, don't touch me. I just felt as though, as if the nurses and doctors were trying, actually trying to trying to finish the job and kill me. So you're having nightmares, really? I was having yeah these really horrific hallucinations and um and uh, another one was the, the doctor, one of the doctors was sort of telling dad um, what was going on and then dad sort of turned around and the doctor pulled the baseball bat out and hit him on the head and killed him <laughs> and then chopped him up in front. It was just these <laughs> mate, it was these outrageous hallucinations and that was the worst thing about it. Um, yeah, a couple of times mum and dad had to come in when I was sort of having these during the night and, mm. yeah, it was, yeah, that was, I, that was I just remember coming in and seeing you and you were still in the induced coma but the thing that stood out for me, and it sounds, again, so weird, but the size of your feet, because yeah. they replaced your blood, yeah. that I remember the doctor saying, yeah, he's going to have swelling. Uh, and you had the feet the size of an elephant. Yeah. Like, I know you got a big foot to start with because you're a tall guy. Yeah. But yeah. they look like seriously size 23s if they were possible. Yeah. <laughs> like the biggest yeah. paddles ever. I so did I, want to put on some weight, but that was just <laughs> that, that was the wrong way of doing it, level, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, recovery time, um, yeah, obviously a long road back. How much weight did you lose? And was it putting the weight back on the hardest bit or was it, you know, the cardio conditioning for football the hardest bit? Yeah. Uh, the weight actually come pretty pretty easy like because you're not a bulky pretty, guy like, i'm not no yeah. i'm not it's uh i was bloody skinny though i lost 17 kilos so i went from yeah 96 down to 79 which is what i come to the club at yeah um so yeah i mean once the body recovered the dietitian pretty much said look go bananas and whatever you, <laughs> whatever you want to eat and we'll worry about your sort of conditioning later so uh it, it was really amazing uh, i spent as i said i had the week in the induced coma and then three weeks on the ward and then um, went back to Yarrawonga for probably the next seven or eight weeks where mum, mum and dad sort of just looked after me. and Put you um, in a feedlot. Yeah, put me out, <laughs> out to pasture. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and just fed me right up. And, and it was really amazing how quickly the body actually healed. I had the scar obviously on the, on, on the torso that sort of took a while. That was mm. probably after Christmas before that fully healed over. I had 97 staples across there, so... Um, so then I had you know, a couple of infections along the way, so that sort of um, stunned, stinted, uh, stunted my sort of recovery a bit, mm. um, held it back a little bit. But look, it, I, was, I was lucky I was a young, I was only 22, young fit guy and um, I, yeah, I, I come back relatively quickly from that side. There's a, obviously there's the recovery comeback yep. and then there's the moment of, all right, I'm recovering to come back for AFL football. Was there ever a conversation or a moment where you seriously sat down with either family or, you know, we spoke about Jeff Allen, who's a friend, but he's also a doctor, where they said maybe it's in your best interest not to or you actually were you ever contemplating not coming back? Yeah. Like football-wise. Yeah. It was, look, the big meeting I had was with the, with the surgeons um, who I knew would know everything related to the inside of the body and what I went through. The first question I wanted to ask was, am I able to play footy again? 
Um, and the second was, am I allowed to have a beer again? Because I do love a beer. <laughs> yeah. And luckily both both those answers. Well, the most were, important one was answered. Well, yeah. You can have a beer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So my mate Mondays were back on the table. Yeah. But, um, and they were both, yeah. So um, that was really important mm. because I'm a social guy and enjoy a good time. But, um, uh, yeah, from a footy point of view, it's, it, uh, you know, that, that hearing that from the doc, he obviously explained the repercussions if something was to happen like this again. But for me, it was a matter of um, I was I hadn't made it in the game. I hadn't, hadn't earned, like I said before, that sort of respect or um, I, hadn't, I hadn't done anything with my life so far. And um, I knew this, it was a great place. Plenty of young guys, plenty of, plenty of my mates were still here and, and the club were willing to give me a, another opportunity or keep me on the list mm. for at least another year. Um, and and I knew I'd have so much support at the footy club with the doctors, the physios, the S&C guys. Yeah. So I'd get back to full health even if I wasn't to play another AFL game. Yeah. Well, let's move it to a lighter note on it. Yeah. Is there a secret one kidney club? You, yourself, <laughs> Sam Newman, even Jackson Thurlow had a little bit of a he did. kidney injury. One Phil person. Davis has had a few problems. Yeah. So he got, he had a few problems there. So yeah. he, he, gave, uh, he gave me a call. Um, and I, I, get a, I get a lot of... Lot of Mail from yeah. Well, you're an ambassador now for Zadie. Yeah, yeah. And I do did a do a lot of work with those guys and and sort of try to raise the awareness of uh, organ and tissue. We had a big week last week. That's the rainbow laces with, for people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. On, on the yeah. footy boots. Yeah, it was rainbow laces. And um, so I, I do get a lot of uh, mail, especially from mums and dads who who children um, yeah. do have kidney problems or might 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 only have one kidney and sort of try to. Just let them know my experience and what I go through and the mental battles and all that type of thing. So it is, uh, it, it, it's reassuring to, to sort of get that. And I've heard this story plenty of times, and that's why I always ask it because yeah. I think it's funny. The best scar story. Your scar is enormous yeah. on, on, across your, your stomach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Best story you've told why you've got the scar apart from <laughs> a, you, you know, obviously losing a kidney. Yeah. Well, uh, I think I've told. Yeah, told I love you this, this one. Before, yeah. But. Um, uh, it was only a couple of years ago because mm. Nakai Kakatu has only been here, what, two or three years. Yeah. So it was in his first few weeks at the club. He's and, an 18-year-old who is excitable as a 10-year-old. Always got a yeah. smile on his he's face. Great. Yeah, great he uh, hasn't got too many, too much stress in his life. He's mm. he's very relaxed sort of kid. bit naive at times. Mm. but Green. Um, I think green. Oh, wet, bit wet behind the ears. ears. That's, <laughs> that's probably the best way to put it. But... Um, I was getting out of the pool, out of the spa one time and, and sort of right in front of uh, Cocky and Cocky, Cocky like looked at me and goes sort of, he didn't know what to say, but he sort of, I knew what he was getting at, um, looking at my scar and I said, yeah, yeah, mate, yeah, that's uh, had 90, there was, you know, 98 staples across mm. here. Oh, yeah, what happened? I said, um, oh, look, mate, to be honest, I don't really like to talk about it. And he kept pushing me. I know you really wanted to. <laughs> so you're setting him up. So here, I, was, I was setting him up a bit. And he goes, "Oh yeah, what we, what, what happened?" And I sort of said, "Oh look, I was down in Torquay a couple of years ago. Down at Jean Jacques, I was out surfing. I love to surf. And uh, great white pointer come up from <laughs> behind, and but he got hold of me. And he was like, "What? <laughs> I could not believe it." And I sort of just walk off. I didn't left it at that. I didn't want to go into too much other detail, and, and left it and walked off. And um, Next thing I, I see him sort of looking around, he was asking his the other boys in the spa whether it was true and all this. And he was my hook line and sink out got him. He yeah. was uh, he was loving it. So that yeah, was. Yeah, I uh, remember hearing him yeah, tell the boys, he goes, 
can't believe Domsey's been bitten by a shark. <laughs> shark yeah. They all played it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's incredible coming. They all went along for the ride, so it was good for a few months. Yeah. It was literally probably a month or two before he actually got the truth. So come back. Um, you actually come back and um, you win a best on grand medal in the VFL grand final. Back as a forward again. You kicked a big bag on the big stage. Yeah, that was uh, 07 VFL granny. I was actually defender that day for mm. for the first half and then uh, the second half went down forward. Masterstroke. Um, just, yeah, Lurker said, on your bike, son, go down and mm. see if you can um, help us out. It was pretty tight. Well, I'll say it was, t- it was pretty oh, tight, you yeah. know. It was only a goal in at <laughs> halftime and the difference had to go down there. And, the difference. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that no, was – look, it was a great day. It was only a year after – yeah, you know, had the had the accident and everything. So I had, um, you know, Henry Playfair and Brent Prisman, Charlie Garner, mm. the guys that I live with, were uh, who you know were at the coalface of of and knew everything that went on, sort of back there a year, twelve months earlier, and um, being able to celebrate with those guys and uh, you know. How many um, bags? Tell people. How many kick in the second uh, half? Six in the second half, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got us over the line. Didn't so, you? Yeah, that no, was a it was a, look. It was a great. It was a, yeah, it was, it was a fairy tale sort of. Um, Ending, I suppose. From then on, you you established yourself in the senior AFL side of the Cats. Again, you almost had to redo it again. When when did you feel comfortable or like full back is my position for the yeah. for the Geelong Cats? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> it sort of 08, as as we know what happened now, sort of come in and went back as a forward, and mm. obviously we lost a granny, and then. 09, I lost my place in the, in the team a bit, um, played eight or nine games, and then you guys went on to win the flag. Um, wasn't a part of that. And then um, I fell into 2009, though. I was making some real big inroads on on being a key defender. Mm. And then at the end of uh, yeah, 09, Harley, Tommy Harley retired, and um, it was the next year after that in 2010 where I really got my opportunity to to be, a, um, you know, to make it my own. So that was, mm. that was the start. And... Um, I haven't looked back since, I suppose. Well, let's talk about the 2011 grand final. Um, I get an absolute buzz out of the fact that we got to win a premiership <coughs> for you because uh, you are part of the whole era and mm. um, and then obviously seeing y- your massive comeback from, from the kidney and it, mm. it felt special for me for you to win the 2011 premiership. But even you are one of our best couple of players, you know, um, Trav Close going bananas. He's kicking him from pretty much second level of the member stand, wasn't he? First quarter, I thought he was going to kick it 10. Yeah. You got shifted onto him um, pretty much towards the end of the first quarter or at quarter yeah, time? Yeah, start of the second, yeah. Yeah, start, start of the second. second. Who who delivered that message and then yeah. what was the thinking? Yeah, I, I remember we uh, it, was, it was pretty even in terms of the – I think we're both were pretty even. Yeah, like both scores sides. were close, but scores they were they close, sort of felt like they had the better. Yeah, of the play. And, and Trav was certainly oh. up and about. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was. Um, he kicked one goal from yeah sixty. Well, 70. no one really moved position. Trav just ran it through, kicked a goal, and it was yeah. almost like a restart, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. He was. Uh, he was looking ominous up forward, mm. I suppose. And um, I still remember I got the look from Harry. We'd done it quite a bit throughout mm. that year. That you know, if we had felt an opponent was getting on top of us. We'd sort of sense each other and he'd mm. look over or I'd look over and we'd sort of swap and help each other out. So I sort of – it was about five minutes into the second where he just kicked another goal, um, Trav, and Harry gave me the look and sort of lifted the eyebrows and I it's, said, yeah. It's pretty good self-awareness in a big moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that sort of 
I knew sort of, and that, this goes from um, playing a lot of footy with mm. him, it sort of sensed that he was keen for a bit of a chop out and, yeah, moved over and, um, yeah, and sort of started playing. I knew it was a, it was a big moment sort of in the game and, um, yeah, I'd played on Trav quite a few times before that and knew what I had to do and I was well, pretty, I was, to be honest, I was pretty lucky that uh, from that point on we didn't, he didn't get a lot of uh, really good looks so... I was, uh, I was happy you boys in the midfield put a bit of pressure on and got it going our way because it would have well, been nervous times. Well, I moved into the key forward role, so... Yeah, well, you got like, it done? Yeah, you did key forward at did, six mate. foot one. Yeah. Um, oh, because, you know, Podsy hurt his shoulder, you of did, course. yes. Yeah. Um, feeling last quarter, did you, you know, I know the game was still tight, but did you get a chance to soak it all in or was it once the siren went, it was just, you know, euphoria? Um, yeah, I still remember at three-quarter time feeling... Feeling really good. I look, looked over and knew that the boys, uh, Collingwood boys, had had a tough prelim. Um, really tight one against Collingwood and been pushed right to the edge and sort of looked around our group. You'd probably be able to um, say the same thing, that we all looked relatively fresh and, and um, felt that we had a bit more left in the tank. And um, I just had a very good feeling there. I think Scotty's three-quarter address was spot on, hit the nail on the head. And, um, yeah, we sort of we went into that last quarter and... Um, won and won the crucial contest. Hawk was up and about, um, kicked some big goals and won some some big contests for us. And um, and I think it was I think it was either your goal or camera uh, Lingy's goal. Sort oh, of Lingy snap, yeah. One of those mm. one of those goals. No, I think it was your set shot. It was a set shot in the last quarter? You kicked a goal. Yeah, I, I kicked one. From, I think we're out to about sixty-five meters. Out. Yeah, it was yeah, sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember the, sitting up. Yeah, setting next up. year, next year it's going to be at seventy. 70 yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember setting up behind that and uh, looking over at Scarlo and I think it, if you had to kick that, it would have went out to sort of twenty-four mm. or five points or whatever. And you did kick it, and then that's sort of that was a point where I thought, yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna win this and. Mm. It was, uh, it was that sort of moment for the next 10 minutes. At, uh, although, we'll, you know, they were, still, they were still coming. It was pretty hard. It was a very enjoyable sort of time. There it is. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Cats proved themselves as one of the greatest teams of the modern era. Premierships 07, 09 and now 2011. Three and five years. A triple treat for a sensational football side. Siren goes. Who do you hug, kiss? Who, who's around you? Right. Yeah, that, that, I mean, still the siren. When the siren went, um, yeah, it was it was an emotional time. It was. Mm. It, uh, I think uh, Otto was one of the closest boys to me, and he come over, and and then uh, obviously a few of the boys down back were Tip nearby. Otto would have been as at Dom's. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was up and about, and I just couldn't believe that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I was going to get a medallion, and and you know to be there on that stage against Collingwood. It was a uh, yeah moment I'll never forget. 200 games this year, another massive moment in footy. Have you had a chance to, to reflect? Did you get a chance leading up or have you had one since on what it all means? Yeah, not really, mate. I think, um, uh, I think uh, you know what it's like in season. You sort of move from one week to the other. I think it, when it all quietens down and... Um, have a bit bit more time to myself and um, it'll be good to look back and appreciate that uh, I was able to, to to notch up 200 and um, and obviously get the flag as well. So, 
yeah, it's not something I've really um, sat back and been really happy with so far because you sort of move on to the next week pretty quickly. Post footy, you like you're a very smart guy, even though Joel Selwood doesn't think so. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, Joel, you've always you've always been mindful, being um, you know your teammate for years. You've you've always been pretty proactive off the field to to plan for post footy. What's post footy hold for Tom Lonigan? Um, oh, look, I think the more I think about uh, life post footy, the more I think about how much I love the game. Um, and I sort of, I've had opportunities to sort of have some part-time experience in other other industries and not fashion because uh, nah. <laughs> you've won. Can you tell people how many times you've won worst dress? You think well, worst been, is best, but <laughs> uh, I've been at the club for fifteen years and I think I've won it fifth, fourteen or fifteen times. I think Henry Playfair might have beat me once. Did you actually. feel feel unlucky you didn't win it? Or yeah, I was a close runner-up. I was a close runner-up, but uh, yeah, I haven't. I, I seem to think I'd go all right, but. I'm just completely, yeah, i got no idea by the sounds of it. But, um, but you want to, going back to the, the first question, stay in footy, uh, coach, admin, yeah. or would you like to get away, learn some things and come back to footy? Oh, in, in an ideal world, it would be good to have other experiences and sort of step away. But I love the, I sort of love the fast-paced uh, fast nature of of footy, I love the wins and losses, the high performance, um, sort of the learning, the teaching, all those types of things, um, the list management side of things. There's a m- multiple facets that I love about footy, but I sort of haven't worked out what sort of uh, what area exactly that I want to go into. But um, I'll do that over the next little bit, I think. And this is probably an easy one for you. When you eventually do retire, are you proud that you? or um, happy in reflection that you did your 200 games at one club because the doggies came pretty hard yeah. for you there a few years back. Yeah, yeah, I am. It's it's uh, It was something um, at the time when the doggies were, were asking the question. Um, it was something really that I, I felt really strong about, um, being a one-club player. And I, uh, I don't know, just something I love seeing. love being able to tell your kids I played all my, all my footy at Geelong. It's just a personal thing. I, mm. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of guys go elsewhere, but um, I love sort of that sort of tradition of just being a one club player. It means a lot, sort of to me. Yeah, and obviously, uh, little Bobby running around in unlucky number thirteen for some jumper, but little Bobby got to run through the banner with you and share that experience with Kim as well. Yeah, he did. He didn't quite run through. He's uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, you yeah, carried, carried him through. Carried. Sorry, yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. How'd you he's get through the banner. Yeah, I was. The arm was sore after, but he's he weighs it quite a bit. But he's um he's good. He's going well, and it was yeah. I mean, it's always that's uh, one of the things I'll I'll treasure the most being mm-hmm. able to have a couple of photos of me and him sort of running through the banner together. It's uh, something I'll treasure. Now we've got to finish on some quick questions, which yep. we ask everyone. Mm-hmm. So these can be as quick or as long as you like. Yeah. Yep. Who was your favourite footy player when you were growing up? Uh, Scotty Lucas. Scotty Lucas? Yeah, I was a Bombers man and Scotty Lucas. Key forward. Key forward is my favourite favorite player. Who's the best player you've played with? Uh, best player? Oh, multiple, but I'll probably have to say Joel Salwood. This is one I've added in here. You have an amazing record against big name key forwards. Do you get yourself up for those or 
Why do you play so well on the big names? Um, I do. I do. I love... I'm a bit, bit old school in the way I think. I love the one-on-one contest. I love how footy sort of used to be where, you know, it was one-on-one and um, you don't get that so much now, but there's a couple of occasions where you do. And um, I don't know, I, I think I, it's just something I, I love to test myself against the best, love to play on the best and, and see where I'm at and I get a great thrill out of that. This leads to this one. Who's the best you've played against then? Who's the best <laughs> one you've played on? Um... Probably John, Jonathan Brown. He's oh, Big Brown. Big Brown. He's probably the best. He taught me a few lessons earlier in my career, which I'm off, off the field as well. Too. Yeah, on and off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had a yeah couple of little one big session up in Brisbane after a game once. He taught me quite a few things. And what's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, Could be football or non-football. Uh, if opportunity knocks, invite us to stay for dinner. Oh, yeah, I like good. that one. Have I you like. run with that on your, you know, the footy quiz? Yeah, 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 quite a few, a few times, times, quite yeah. a few times, yeah. yeah. They're always hard to fill out, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah. yeah. I remember that one. I liked it. Now, have you, what is the biggest lie the media has ever told about you? Have they ever told something you've just gone, that's not it? Oh, been pretty good mm. media to me. I can't complain too much. Um, no, nothing I can't, I can't think of anything, nothing jumps out. You're a pretty emotional guy. Last time you cried, was it over a movie or when Bobby was born? Yeah, it wasn't long ago. I am. I, uh, I get emotional pretty easy. The silly things too. I could be bloody driving the car and a good song comes on. and yep, yeah, The yeah. words really resonate. Yeah, yeah. they resonate. Yeah. yeah, Lucky man, bottom of the verve. I like that. Get a few yeah. tears. But uh, probably Bobby when Bobby was born. Yeah. I think that was... Oh, we're all softies, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, as far yeah. As. yeah. And where do you see yourself in 20 years' time? Tom Lonnie and Dream Scenario. Um, I think uh, obviously um, family's very big to me, so it'd be great to push out maybe, or Kim, <laughs> Kim, Kim had pushed out maybe another one or two kids and um, just living a happy life, healthy um, in Geelong probably, maybe somewhere else, I'm not sure, but yeah, just enjoying life and, um, you know, not getting too wound up with things sort of. It's, uh, it's easy to get wound up in this day and age and you just got to enjoy it. And um, I can yeah. imagine you, the image, I think a few of the boys would have with you is your summer holidays, you just speedos, thongs on <laughs> by the Yarra, uh, over, up, up of the, around the up lake. Up Yarra, around the yeah, lake, mate, yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Probably that, uh, we'll have a lot of time up for Yarrawonga yeah. and the speedboat yeah. and got the raft there. You and fancy yourself just in the speedos, don't you? I do, yeah. I do. I don't mind the dick dogs, yeah. <laughs> And the final word, mate, if you can change one thing about footy, what would it be? Uh, I think, I think that, as I said before, I like the, like the idea of one-on-one, so I don't know how the AFL can introduce something. Um, but getting back to one forward v one back would be great to see. Mm. Not sure how they're going to do it, but um, it'd be great to see that. Mate, you've been absolutely brilliant and um, I reckon I could talk to you for another hour, so thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Jimbo. Good on you, mate. Cheers. We're talking footy.